from the trenches. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry. My name is David Boyar from SQL CFO. Joined here with Paul Meisner from Freedom Mentoring. And we are brought to you by BGL, Australia's number one corporate compliance and superannuation software. Paul Meisner, we've got a big show today. It's a mental health theme show. <laughs> is it? Yes. Well, it is. Yes. Yeah, well, do you, you David, you, you're in the... Top of hello, listeners, hello. Uh, recovered from the budget. You've been in uh, Port Douglas, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Big week of travel. Whirlwind for you, which does lead a little bit into our in-depth topic. Dave, tell the listeners what, what the in-depth, in-depth topic is coming up later on. Uh, well, it's working title at the moment, given that we're recording right now. We need to shorten this to get it on uh, our socials. But... Uh, <laughs> Being present, the victim of the work from anywhere culture. Uh, Nick Sinclair said to Lillette Collegiate when we were in Port Douglas, you know, all these people posting photos of themselves walking by the pool in the luxurious Sheridan, he said, is this a good idea? What would our clients think? And it really made me think about this challenge of being present, the impact on clients, the impact on my fa- and our families, the impact on me uh, personally. And so we're going to do a bit on it later in the show, listeners. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Uh, but, of course, uh, best, best and worst you on... S- you can start best, Paul. I can you start. you got a ripper. So, I caught up uh, for a for dinner, dinner and a drink, with Paddy and Scott Scharf from Catching Clouds, based out of Denver. Shout out to Paddy and Scott. Uh, I had met them uh, online years ago, stayed in touch. Um was such such an amazing chance to catch up with people who largely do the same job. David, they're, they've uh, specialised in e-commerce clients, sort of at the larger end of the scale. But it is just, it's amazing how small the world of the accounting industry is for those of us who, who practice in it. And how the conversations that we have over those uh, those meals and those drinks about advisory, technology, pricing, all of that kind of stuff, really are far different, far removed from this, from this, from some of the general conversations uh, out there. It just, it is wonderful to pick their brain. It is wonderful to hear about uh, what's happening in the, in the US, all that is similar and all that is different. I had the same, uh, David, a couple of weeks ago with Elaine Clark, who's coming on the show uh, in future episodes talking about the UK. Uh, and it just, it, it's amazing. It is amazing that at small firms, <laughs> it, how much you speak to different people in different geographies, but absolutely say the same thing. I think it's a sign of a disruptive era that we're in. And, and I, I use the word disruptive with a bit of hesitation. We're in an era of change to the way that we work, driven by technology. And so the disruption becomes a great leveler doesn't it? It creates an even playing field. We're all trying to respond to the same amount of similar amount of tools and trends that are on the market. What what always strikes me as as I do chat to people, and David, I chat to accountants in New Zealand, America, Canada, the UK and South Africa. What strikes me is the big level disruption and what's spoken about. Certainly, you know, there's thoughts around general trends there. But to me, David, it's the, it's the disruption and the, almost the, the carnage that's left behind 
trying to get the really fix the practical issues, fix the actual how do, how do you work remotely, how, you know, the, the 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 pricing changes, the actually getting work done, actually using technology. Like this is the thing you, you the salespeople can talk about the the technology, but and as we'll find out in worst on ground actually using this technology, turning it on, some of it just doesn't work. Some mm. of it actually doesn't deliver well, on we'll get some to that of, now worst on ground. Some of we? it doesn't deliver on the dream. So, you know, I find that really interesting when I talk to people around the world. But Scott shared with me the this amazing link, and the link will be in the show notes, but it is a map of all of the different sales tax rates in the USA. This is amazing. So Catching Clouds, they do e-commerce, and while they don't do the uh, taxation for their clients or the, the federal tax, they help them with their state tax returns. Scott has shared with me this uh, amazing, amazing website that there is, it, it looks like, um, how can you describe it? A David? heat map. It looks like a heat map. It it's a heat map of America showing the, and each color shows a jurisdiction of a sales type tax. of sales tax. Yeah, so you've got, You've got federal, uh, you've got sales taxes, I think, in states, counties, municipalities, all sorts of things. And if you drill into this, a lot of these sales tax rates overlap, David. This is an amazing map. Anyway, for anyone out there who thinks that compliance isn't dead, in the, in the US, you've got this many sales tax rates it's and you've got uh, and handwritten checks. I think it's amazing because it, it, it also it's got all of North America, so it includes Canada, and Canada is like this clean, straight lined. Here is the area where this sales tax applies. It's so easy. But even you go to Alaska, and even Alaska doesn't have one sales tax rate for Alaska, which is kind of the outpost. You go the extra mile, David. I hadn't <laughs> got, I hadn't gone as far. I, that's what I like about you. you I got really the extra go mile. The extra mile. But it's, it's amazing. Like you go. Where was this insane one? New York. Wow, any listeners in the state of New York, uh, you must be making a fortune off sales tax compliance. It looks like there's about 100, 150 different sales taxes. Like, it's just different suburbs. <laughs> how, like, cool. I just, I do not know, anyway, I do not know how you would track that, uh, but that is just crazy. The link will be in the show notes. Lyle is different to Centre Lyle. It looks like the capital city or the main city is different to the rest of the outer city. I, I know. And some of them overlap by like by three or four different rates. It's just is it is amazing. Unreal. Anyway, uh, have a play on that, David. Give us your uh, best on ground. Uh, a few best on grounds for me. Um, funny little thing. So a lot of people, as we get busier and we get more digital, we sort of bemoan the fact that we don't read as much anymore. And one of the companies that tries to fix this is a company called Blinkist, where they basically summarise books and business books so that you can listen to to get the key points from it. This is their marketing. The average CEO reads more than 60 books a year, okay? I don't know, do they? I don't know. 88% of financially successful people read at least 30 minutes per day. All right, I don't know. Blinkist users read key ideas from up to six books per week. So what this ad is basically saying is, rich people read, rich successful people read, therefore leading reads to wealth, but our product means that you don't have to read, you just read the summaries and don't actually get the key idea of it. We all know how well summary reports work. <laughs> it's, they're basically, the company's the cliff notes of actual intelligent thought. So it's, it's, a, it's a hilarious take on marketing and sort of speaks to the, 
I guess the attention gap, the attention disorder that we all have now, it's hard to sit down and read a book. Does it develop your why for you? Does, oh, it, just, sure does it just tell you, here's your why? Just I'm sure there's it. plenty of books that help you develop your why, Paul. There's a lot of profit in helping people work out their why. Oh, I tell you, there is throwback to the days of uh, back at school. We didn't read the whole novel, David. You just had the... Oh, mate. Remember yeah, those? The cheap books? How do you think, I, how do you think I got through Macbeth? <laughs> Slowly was the answer. Yeah. What else you got? Uh, oh, gr- we haven't got to... Well, yeah, anyway, we'll get to your no, big we'll get one. No, we'll get that, because that's a bigger one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Intuit's got a really great... Intuit QuickBooks has a great post on their growing and complex business subsection of what's probably a massive content library. Why it's time to stop thinking about scaling. This is the anti-startup growth manifesto that you and I have been talking about and any responsible account... Well, many responsible accountants talk about for ages, where they basically say... There's nothing wrong with just slowly growing a sustainably growing business that doesn't get put on steroids to force artificial, well, artificial, it's not fair to say it's artificial, inflated growth numbers to stack up to a PE equity valuation. Um, Think, you know, headlines, growing slowly is better than scaling too fast. And they go through case studies, mum's organic market, um, where they, they, the, the first 10 years where they're trying to work out what to do, um, now they make $200 million in sales each year with 1,000 employees founded in 1987 and they grew slow. Um, and that's the mum's organic one. Um, they've got all sorts of stats on slow business growth. Be real about your market size. I mean, how many pitches have, have you sat in? I don't know if you've sat in startup pitches. It's an $18 trillion market and we're going to get 6% of it in three years. Oh, my God, my eyes rolling to yeah. the back of the head. I actually well, not judged having a pitch revenue night. day one, right? I, I, cha- I judged a pitch night for um, uh, the Victorian scale fest, scale up. Scaling up, scaling up. Yeah. I spoke about it on the show. I can't remember what it was. And that's what these pitches are still like. You know, yeah. You've got no team. You've got no experience managing. managing. You haven't raised your capital yet. And, and that's how you talk about your business. Focus on gauging and creating demand before worrying about scaling. Isn't that good advice, Paul? I also find that people just don't get to revenue one. Like, just, just find the revenue before you find the cost. I love this one. Racking up millions in losses in the name of rapid scaling can work for startups with a viable path to profitability, but growth for its own sake isn't uh, always a sustainable strategy especially if your business hasn't found product market fit. Lovely. Solutions looking for problems, David. Lots of those. Jason Andrews written a bit about this. But look, it is it is good to see because well, I... Well, he wrote about it after I saw this, actually. So that was interesting. Uh, oh, you saw it as well. Anyway, good uh, good stuff. What, you're a big one, David. Now, you yes. are, you're not really looking tanned. You don't necessarily... You stay out of the sun when you go to... to was there any sun in Port Douglas? No, it rained for two days. Right, there you go. Torrential rain. So, golf, golf got cancelled. Oh, yeah, I know you no would have been happy. The, uh, Sorry, they replaced it with whiskey tasting. So maybe luckily, it been your right. spa treatment didn't get didn't get no, cancelled. My spa treatment the, was wonderful. We are, of course, talking about Receipt Bank Exchange. David, you are in the v, in the VIPs. Well, we're not quite Bora Bora, but uh, walk us through the junket. So it's. Um, I went into it thinking it was a junket, to be perfectly honest, but. Time and time again, whenever you end up getting like-minded people in our profession together, seriously great conversations end up being held. And, and I had one of those. So what this is about is Receipt Bank is the biggest add-on in the zero marketplace. It's probably the biggest in the QuickBooks one, probably in Australia, if not the US. Right. It's a major, major player and arguably is of the size, not quite of the size of a zero in a QuickBooks or a Maya, but it's 
this is a substantial business. And what they're now saying is we've been in Australia for a very long time. Um, they've got a new country manager, Luis, who is a lovely, lovely guy. So down Ex to Intu earth. Ex-Intuit. Ex and geez, he's just easy to talk to and genuinely cares. Um, and it was about them getting deeper relationships with their care users. Yep. And we spoke about on the show that it, you actually, it was points qualification. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really. wasn't this influencers nah, type list. You, any, anyone could earn their way. So it was about them saying, well, we're not going to work out who our biggest fans are. You're going to tell us by proving it to us, which was really smart. So this was accessible to everyone. Um, I support the idea of them getting real relationships with people. That's the only way you're really going to have any long-term success if you're using the accounting channel, which I, I love. Um, it was up in the Sheridan in Port Douglas. Hilarious place, the Sheridan Mirage in Port Douglas. Um, it's still got the old Mirage logos and branding oh, wow. from the Sheridan Mirage and Surface in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's, it's been like done up. the tile up. logo at the bottom of the pool? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's the green palm tree. And it's, I used to go with my grandparents when I was a kid, so I got a little bit of nostalgia. Rooms were beautiful. Um, it was really a spare, no expense affair. Here's what was great that, that I really got out of it. Um, a panel with... Um, uh, Mid-market people, Shay uh, was there from BDO, Amy from uh, RSM, RSM Bank Cameron yeah. and Nick from Deloitte's private, uh, Deloitte private, which, and actually I asked Nick, I said, mate, have you ever won a client because of the Qantas points? And he goes, honestly, yeah. Like <laughs> it costs us because we have to pay yeah. something for it, but yeah, like if it's us against something else and there's kind of no real difference and sometimes it happens in big four, it's it's made a deal for him. So he's out of the Canberra, I think he's out of the Canberra office. Anyway, and, it's, and, and the crowd was mostly bookkeepers. So it's very, like if ever there was going to be a disparity between the crowd and the presenters, it's big four and large mid, the largest mid tiers talking to single solo operator bookies. Yeah. Right? But there was so much insight in this panel about the challenges they have of dealing with tech, building systems around... Um, the operational workflow of, of, of monthly management accounting, that sort of business advisory type work, building workflow around tech advisory. Um, RSM has built a really cool checklist where you can just go in, they give you a 40-page report of recommendations. So they've obviously 40 spent, page report of recommendations. Yeah, I said for, sounds, that that sounds 40 like, pages. That sounds like the spotlight book of Yeah, I know. But, um, but there's a lot of insight in it. And um, Nick made a brilliant comment that I tweeted about and I loved. Because of technology, bookkeepers are swimming upstream and accountants are swimming downstream. So accountants are getting more involved in the day-to-day -day operations to give more strategic advice. I know people can criticise me on that, but you need to understand it. Yeah, anyway, mm -hmm. I hope you understand me. And bookkeepers are now moving into more tech advisory, management accounting. You're really trying to, the good ones are really trying to do more than just the basic cash coding. I thought that was I don't think, but I don't think, see, I think... I think what they did, and this is the same argument I have with accountants, is what we did was tra data transposition. What bookkeepers did was data entry, but that was only so that they could, what they were actually being paid for was the real value yeah, of I, I chasing think, debtors, I don't, understanding Yeah, but I think a huge part anyway. of the bookkeeper community was was still doing the old. Because they had, that's what the, it was yeah, physically but had to, So I yeah. thought it was great. Anyway, two members in the crowd got up in arms. One guy basically said, don't talk to us like that that if you want to work with bookkeepers, don't talk to us like that. And I'm sitting in the back left-hand corner, like I was right at the back where I always am so I can muck around and not cause too much distraction. And I was furious. I was like, are you kidding me, mate? There is so much insight in this and, and all you've done is got your back up because you're offended by someone. Cassandra Scott, uh, director of ATT, I've never met before, but we've interacted on Twitter quite a bit. 
um, also made the comment, you know, I did get a bit defensive when I heard that line. And I've already tweeted it by this stage. The line about like swimming highlight. upstream versus yeah. downstream. Okay. Yeah, and I... I was getting a bit excited about it. I was gonna. I actually wrote a very angry message in one of the private groups that you and I are in, and thought, you know what, just have a breather, boyer. Here's the problem that it uncovered. Because bookkeepers have been told for 15 years you're getting put out of a job, and because there's kind of been a tough response, and because people are kind of sick of hearing the same old, same old, same as accountants, I was disappointed that these, well, Cassandra's a very senior person in the bookkeeping world, didn't say, I'm a bookkeeper. I'm proud of being a bookkeeper. Here is the value I offer to my clients. They pay me, I make money, my clients love me. I am a proud bookkeeper. Why start with a negative defensive? And, and the, the belief in who I am and what I do wasn't apparent in the room. I then had a brilliant conversation with Cassandra and Shay was there for it um, after lunch. It was pouring with rain. Um, some people were out on a very choppy boat out to the Great Barrier <laughs> yeah, throwing up. The vomit everywhere from what I could hear about that one. Uh, I got the luxurious bus to my luxurious day spa for my luxurious massage, which was a good call. But Cassandra and I had this really great chat about, and it, it was a mental health chat, about owning who you are and being proud of the value you provide and acknowledging that other people provide different value and that's okay because the client wins. Um, it is probably the most productive, uh, when I say this topic, is I don't believe it's bookkeeper versus advisor versus accountant, but, you know, it was the most productive conversation I've ever had and um, hopefully we're going to get Cassandra on the show to have a chat about it because I got a lot of value out of that. Congratulations on Receive Back on doing a great event and really building some really strong relationships. And, Paul, the Receipt Bank team are there to serve. They care. They were absolutely brilliant. You know, it rained for two days straight. So the whole pro massive parts of the program had to change. They were there. They were present. They were always available. They were helpful. They couldn't get me a kosher meal, but you know, I managed. Don't worry. I, I didn't. I still found something to eat. But really, really impressive and a great way for the Receipt Bank team to get to know um, the people who love their product. I need to earn more points next year, David, or, or any points. That'd be probably handy. Uh, what <laughs> I've got to get you on Receipt Bank. Why do I? I really yeah, want to get you on Receipt Bank. It is. Not for a while I've wanted to. You do. I want to give you that wow moment. For absolutely no disrespect to Receipt Bank, <laughs> I, I, it, for me, it doesn't create an efficiency. I, no one has shown me an efficiency. Uh, it, this is the, my challenge. In, I want to take this on. My, for my client base, again, I say that with all due respect, with no, like, I don't have the clients that suit it. I don't have the, I've set up my processes uh, in other ways to get my efficiency. Worst of crowd. Dave, who's going first? You go first, mine? mate. I just spoke for a long time. Oh, you did. All my right. My glands I'll, are a bit swollen from I'll all the travel. The, I need to rest the throat. I'll give the, the listeners. The tonsils aren't as silver as I'd like them to be. I'll give the listeners a break from you then. Uh, oh, just flip a coin on which one uh, goes first. Oh, well, you're nervous about one of them. So. In this worst on ground. I'm going to start with, I'll start with the, the second one on the list. Um, Weak. Our, our, our old friends, <laughs> our old friends at Accountants Daily have, have, uh, have picked. So Inspector General of Taxation has over the, what looks like over the past sort of, I don't know, couple of years, mm. uh, tried to piece together what their view of the future of the tax profession looking at technology, looking at the ATO, looking at the role of the TPB. A massive report, David. This thing is, this thing is huge. Uh, Accountants Daily have boiled it down. They've put it, they've put it under the blowtorch and have managed to distill out of it some of the uh, every negative word possible, uh, talking about how 
there is death of compliance, digital disruption, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then obviously the the, what, the people that do, the people that do in our industry, David, take on that using a bit of confirmation bias and saying, oh, the, even the Inspector General of Taxation says that, says that compliance is dead. Uh, they're all running with it. Look, um, I used this analogy before the show, David. This is, for me, this is like someone handing down a very detailed, massive report, someone with a predisposition to having a view or pushing a pushing a view takes the cherry picks the ideas cherry picks some quotes puts it together in a nice way to paint a picture everyone else joins on uh, and it's all there I personally reached out to the Inspector General of Taxation David I got a, had a very good conversation uh, you got a callback I got a I call was back. sitting here the IGT we had a wonderful we had a wonderful conversation and uh, look very impressed with the way that this report uh, had been put together, and David, you and I have, have, have gone into more detail. We want to put it as an in-depth in a future episode. We want to give this more of the time it needs, rather than just trying to pick, uh, skim read it, and pick uh, and pick the views we want to get out of it. We want to give it uh, give it a good, balanced reporting, which so far seems to have been missed. Listeners from the start will remember we used to have a segment called Media Watch, and this is where I put this article in because. The article is not what the report is saying. Like, it's categorically yeah. not. It's taken a sentence at the start of the paragraph, ignored the rest of the paragraph, and so the context has a completely different yeah. meaning. Um, but I spent half an hour last night reading most of the report. There's other bits that I still want to get to and understand a bit better. I think it's really good. Yeah. I think it's timely. It's well-measured. It doesn't use um, prescriptive, dogmatic, you should, you must, you have to tones that exist when software companies are talking about this in some cases because they're trying to sell something, yep. um, and we want to do it justice. So I think we're going to do it as an in-depth, hopefully next week, unless something bigger comes up. Um, but this is a great example of, you know, Accountants Daily are very influential. People pick this up and they think and it plays on their minds. And where this plays into really badly, if people are sitting there in regular firms doing regular things, making regular money, and then hear that somebody as authoritative as the IGT, yeah. who's seriously influential, says that their business model is under threat, which she didn't, uh, according to the report, that's a problem. And that, that causes anxiety for business owners in the accounting world. Absolutely not good. It's not, not good for accountants if, if, that's, if that is the way that the views they are getting told. Okay. What second. next? What next? Paul, I don't want, I don't Paul Meisner is talking advisory. I don't, I don't want this is, this is This is You tough. wish this didn't happen. I, really? I, you really? I, you, you, I really you've you've been sitting on this for three weeks. You do not want to have to bring this up, but it's kind of important. It, and you don't want to bring it up because the people behind it are good people. It is, it is very important. And I have at no time taken money from this particular vendor. And I, I, don't, I don't even know whether I should know. Anyway, I will name Once I say the word goal seek, people will know. So listeners of the show will know that business advisory software is out there and uh, is being pushed, sold otherwise. I had a large client, David, so I decided they were on their way in. We had to had discussions with that client around what advisory tools were out there to have a dashboard, that kind of thing, to help them predict their business. And I had said, look, Fathom has a great uh, waterfall cash flow on where did my money go, but also a goal seek function that uses a calculation. Anyway, I plugged it in, David, and this client is a very high turnover, 
uh, has positive gross profit, so its gross revenue outweighs its, its cost of goods sold, which is important for some of these things. Anyway, I turned on this goal seek and I said, how can I double my free cash flow? And the answer that came back from Fathom's system was, you need to drop your uh, quantity sold by 11% and drop the price at which you sell the goods by 69%. Basically, you need to spend, to, to make more money or to have free cash flow, you need to more than halve the price. Now, as you said, Dave, this happened weeks and weeks and weeks ago. I've been stewing on it. I have been massive fans on the way the Fathom guys, the three guys, have gone about it. They have been- Three years ago I used it, it was brilliant. They have been, uh, anyway. Professional? They led led the design aspect, the waterfall charter where my money go, and the way they've gone about the industry, they haven't gone down that uh, grubby hyper sales, sales people, thought leadership, they've just invested in their product, sadly. Sadly, this just doesn't work, David. And and as they have pointed out to us, there is something on their website that says uh, how reducing price and or volume result in an increasing cash flow. If if people have questioned it so much that it it gets onto your frequently asked questions, um, saying that a reduction in price may cause a reduction in accounts receivable which could improve operating cash flow. Like, uh, no, like, no, like, no, like, just no. The, the, only, the only way this happens, David, is if you've got negative cost of goods sold. If you're actually losing, if you're losing money by selling each individual product, then you totally should stop selling it. And I, I still disagree with the lesser price, but if you're not making a per unit profit, it, a reduction in profit will, will fix. This does not physically work, David. Like, there is not an accountant I've spoken to in the last that actually says, you know what, yeah, it's right. No! It's, it's well, it proves, tell me your number and I'll give you the drivers to make it happen theory of financial forecasting and financial modelling. But there is no commercial acumen here. Even if you can justify the answer to prove that the logic that's gone into this model works, which they have because they even have an FAQ page that explains why this happens. But which doesn't even really answer it. Like, and a reduction in the sales volume may be accompanied by a reduction in cost of sales, which could cause a reduction in accounts payable. Yes, but if you've got positive cost of goods sold, your revenue, your, your revenue slash accounts receivable will drop at a greater amount the new cost of sales or accounts part. This, this is out of the box advice, David, which every accountant who has been told that they have to do this because everything else is dying, goes, what? Like, no. And, 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 well, and, no, and no, unfortunately I, I, what it did, and this, is, and this is the disappointing thing for me, is that I then went, what, el- what else can't I trust? And that was the bit yeah. for me. Like everything else kind of yeah, works. It's but like then, getting a spelling mistake on page one. And, and then I, 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 do, I get that feeling that I cannot put this in front of a client. These things don't work out of the box, nor should they, but largely sometimes some other providers sell us as if it gets is out of the box. Accountants have to invest an awful lot of time in making sure these numbers are right and it doesn't just happen out of the box. So I, don't, I just, I, yeah, I wish it wasn't them. I wish it was anyone else. Anyway, David. Uh, Something a little lighter before we get into, have we done my worst on ground yet? No, you're doing that uh, Before now. we do that. So I've just been, on my computer, I've got your sales tax chart up because it's oh, just yeah. on my screen. I've got a touchscreen computer and I touched on the map 
um, outside of the United States, so on um, the uh, water, so on the North Atlantic. And it, these guys were built and have got a great sense of humour. You might be a little off course. How about trying that again? Wait a tick, we can't find any tax rates there. And then if I zoom in on Bermuda, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. You, are you looking for sunken treasure? <laughs> over Bermuda, it's, over the Bermuda nice Triangle. That, it's nice that they can have some fun. Hilarious. With it. All, right, David, All right, my worst on your ground. Your worst on ground. Article in The Age, uh, probably in the Sydney Morning Herald as well, under lifestyle, life and relationships, motherhood, a full-time role in part-time hours, the truth about flexible work. I remember when I was a senior, so it must have been about 2008, 2007, uh, working at Moore Stevens at the time, which was just, I think, 11th biggest firm in the country at the time, somewhere around that. One of our managers um, had just come back to work and finished at four o'clock every day because she was a working mum. And I remember thinking, and she was a workhorse, like she came in, she was super productive, no mucking around, didn't really fraternise with the staff, made no effort to get to know us. So I had a negative view of her. But she was effectively working a full-time role in the hours that she had. And what this article unpacks is that even though a lot of companies say that we have good return from work policies and part-time policies, a full-time role in part-time hours is effectively what they are. Yeah. Um, and it really, there's no real call to do anything different. It's more just an awareness thing. And I wonder how many businesses out there and how many firms out there think they're being flexible but still expect the exact same output from that staff member because we still make money from staff output. It's a very interesting one, David. And, I mean, I've had, not in the working mum space, but I've been quite flexible with my staff. Nick's worked uh, in China for family you know, for family reasons. I, For me, I think when you better link employee performance with output, not time, everyone would, you know, everyone's everyone's better off. You know, that, that for me. I think um, my wife returned to work after uh, maternity leave and I take a lot time-wise of the load at home. Probably not as many of the domestic chores as, you know, I'm not going to say it's 50-50, it's but certainly... We have quite a shared time uh, time or diary or calendar where each morning is dedicated to one of us uh, and I do my share and she does her share and those shares are 50-50. We have this sort of equal, relatively equal time in an office uh, dedicated to work without kids. So, I, look, I think it's manageable certainly as you get into the bigger the bigger firms with less flexible working arrangements, plus you have a partner who doesn't have the opportunity to do that. You know, there are some households where the the husband is able to take on far more of the duties. There's a time where where the partner can't and, and therefore, yeah. it, you know, there's not that opportunity. So the, the article ends with the... I didn't read the, uh, the end of it before, but I'm just going to quote it here. I'm a big believer that flexibility should be available for everybody. You and I agree. Mm -hmm. And it's not until the normalisation of men working flexibly and men, let's be honest, taking parental leave and being active carers in their children's lives that we will really make traction at the societal level. I don't disagree, and, and this is, it's really interesting. The first great job I ever had was at a firm and one of my first... Um, experiences was of uh, the partner who had Tuesday afternoons blocked out in his diary. 
because he felt like he was working too much and didn't get a chance to see the kids. And this was a response to his, I think, you know, his son was having some behavioural issues at school or whatever. And one of the things he wanted to do was every Tuesday, it was in his diary, it was locked in. Now, that's a small thing, David, but for me as a younger accountant, it's having, impressive to see that role it, model. I got, I got to see that. So yeah. certainly we, and we had a, we had a female partner who was reviewing files six hours before going into labour, and you know yeah, this not. wasn't a tick and flick. This was, you know, this was some decent review notes. And and she ha- and her husband was was the main um, child yeah. carer. So I got to, you know, I didn't see a lot of that, which which would help really help me when I got into other firms. Yeah. Oh, look, for me, you know, I worked uh, four and a half days last week, so Thursday mornings I had off with Ellie. Um, this year's very different because she's more engaged now, so I'm now home at five o'clock four days a week. So I still work. I'm not, I mean, I'm not the primary carer in our family by any stretch. Um, but still, a uh, very interesting article um, talking about making it easier for flexible work conditions. Yeah. Anyway, very interesting. I think you and I have been, uh, have been more available at home than, than some had yeah. the opportunity to be. Well, we, we're, we're, I've passed that on to, Mar- to Maria now, CEO, who said to me the other day she spent more time with her kids than she ever has in her career. Bloody fantastic. And I had a mate, very, very and I had a mate who uh, said to me, when I had kids, he's like, there's a reason I go to work to get yeah, away yeah, from yeah, them. Yeah, so anyway. Yeah. All right. You're in debt. This came on the back of Nick Sinclair from the Outsourced Accountant making a comment to uh, Lillette Collegio, who listeners won't be a stranger to. Now, is it really a good idea that we keep putting on social media that we're working from these sort of locations? And it really got me thinking about, first of all, is it a good idea? And we've said before that you know, there was somebody who put a photo of doing a zero bank wreck on the demo company whilst at their kids' I've done netball. It. Oh, sorry, I haven't done it at the netball. So I was thinking of beach. And, and everyone's but, but done it clearly, at the beach. everyone's done it at the beach. I do it. I do it at the beach. Um, literally, Kids sometimes netball just to one's show interesting off. though. That 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 keep going. So and it really got me thinking. And then I thought, well, part of it is that we don't really have a workplace. Like I literally do not have a workplace. I'm at dad's office one and a half days a week, if that. I'm at home one and a half days a week. I'm on the road for a day. I'm in here with you about a day ish, roughly. Um, and or here with other meetings um, during the day. So it really got me thinking, Is what is the downside to all of this? And the downside is being always on. Um, work-life balance used to be about the amount of time you spent at work versus at home. And what you did at home, whether you were being home duties, doing the, the, the housework, the chores, whether you're having leisure time, looking after yourself, spending time with your kids, whatever it is, there was a clear distinction. But with more people not really having an at-work mode or place, it's kind of work is everywhere all the time if we let it and want it to be. This puts a lot of pressure on being present. This is why, you know, it's it's the victim because we're there but our mind's elsewhere. Like I know on Sunday night my mind was not where with the people that were around me. I was very introverted. I was very quiet. I've got a big week ahead. I was in Brisbane, so I didn't have my Sunday routine in Melbourne that I do to sort of get the game face on for the week ahead. Um, Australia overall, as compared to other countries, doesn't do that badly. So the OECD report, they've got an OECD on the Better Life Index, and this is an index you want to do well on, right? Uh, They define very long hours as 50 hours or more. as just 13.8% of Australian workers work very long hours. It's down 0.2% since 2005. I reckon that number will be higher in our industry. Accounting is usually known for longer hours. 
I think that there is a challenge of being present in a cloud-based world and it has an impact on us, on our families and friends and on our clients. Absolutely. And, and we want to break that down. So we want to talk about the, the clients, the work and the office sort of, I guess, personal efficiency and, and on the family. I, I also just want to raise, David, that, you know, back in the dad's episode two years ago, yeah. my father said about having the phone on, email on, always being contactable. You know, this raised a, a real question about not being able to actually switch off, not being able to leave an office, lock the door, and the desktop stays there. Like, I'm going well back, right? And clearly the world's moved on from that. But, you know, this is not a new issue, but... It's it more common now, though, because it's easier. It, it just, it really is. And, and, and work-life balance, I don't know, is it, has it been blurred into this just more geographical freedom rather than actually... Yeah, I mean... I mean work-life, you know, work-life balance and geography, geographical freedom are often mutually exclusive because to be geographically free, you have to be more on and therefore less balanced. That's right. So for me, I don't chase work-life balance. I chase freedom. Now, freedom yep. means, and this pretty good segue into freedom mentoring, Paul oh, Wayne. Freedom mentoring. But freedom for me means doing what I want when I want to do it, whenever that may be. Freedom so of time and place would it, be the freedom it's, mentoring It's everything. Now, now that, may, yeah, well, that may mean that, like, um, you know, last night I ended up working until 11 o'clock on Sunday night. But I... You know, jumped on a plane with my family and flew back to Melbourne this morning and got here at 10 o'clock and n nothing really got missed in the process and everyone around me has these expectations. I still work pretty long hours, but it is when I want to do it. That's what's important to me. So the pure work on, work off, not really. What matters is that whatever I'm doing at that point in time, that's what I'm doing. Yep. And that is a hard skill and I think as you're remote, it's harder to get that concentration. So, so let's break it down because okay. we've got the three areas. So uh, impact on clients, impact on family, and impact on our own well, work you, efficiency you, and, and our business. You spoke about a client. Start with clients. You, 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 started, you lost a client because of it. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons. You never know. Like, you never know exactly the reason. But, but certainly me being geographically, <laughs> not geographically located in one spot and often moving around and travelling and being available via online means rather than physical means was, was one of the reasons he picked as, as, a, as an inter impact um, or a reason. Look, I mean, I think you work with the people who, who want to work with you in a way and, and, and whether or not that was an excuse. But for me in accounting, I think that nowadays clients just want um, to be answered. Yeah. So it's, it, it does not have to be necessarily face-to-face. -face. We've got Zoom, we've got Loom, we've got Skype, we've got... And it's just, it really, it's just the time it takes to get back to the client, to respond to them. Arguably, with a, a split, geographically split workforce, you can extend the coverage hours to, for the clients to get a response. You know, I don't feel like this cloud-based world has impacted the client experience. Um, Interestingly, though, I have got a lot of drop-in clients since I've moved into the city and a lot of those drop-in meetings. And, and there has been actually, quite, even though I then travel elsewhere, I do notice when I, when I find it, when I'm here, people drop in and you have a different, you have a different conversation. You have the small talk and the relationship building, which you don't necessarily get on if you jump on for a Zoom call just to talk about a business yeah. meeting. So there is there is good and bad, and yep. I think certainly you should never, yeah. um, and this is why I would never go on remote work forever, 
two months here, three months here, month on, month off. So you can get a healthy mix of that face-to-face plus the online world, I think for me, is, is great. Um, i got a great story from, from one of our franchisees, Michael Little. He's been with us for about 18 months. Um, and he is, he's got about 10, 11 clients at the moment. That's our model. It's, it's, you go deeper with a smaller amount of clients. He hasn't seen his grandchild in two years living over in Germany where his daughter lives. He's going to spend a month over there to, 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 to spend time with his family. And over the course of probably three months beforehand has educated his clients on what it means and what's going to happen. Now, hopefully he doesn't lose a client out of it because they're, they're all on board right now and they understand and, yep. and we've got a service model that lets you do that. That's a great result for the, 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 the being in the present situation, but it's taken a lot of deliberate planning. It doesn't mm. just happen. I, and, I think that's, that's, really my, that's my takeaway from the Michael situation. It doesn't just happen. And that's interesting, I suppose, with, with bigger clients, you know, he probably had to do more and, and he doesn't leave yeah. behind a team that, that can do that lifting like I did. Whereas, I, so I didn't necessarily, to, mm. to do my month or two away, um, the, the sort of three times I've done it. Well, he's still working. Like, he's not going on holidays. No, I get it. He's still working, but it's a, it's a workation. I've got some blog posts, freedom entering content that if, if he needs. <laughs> um, I think that's, you know, that's really important. And, and I think ultimately in this day and age, and, and hopefully... When he comes back, he'll have a similar story that clients just want the answer. Um, okay, family and friends. That's the big one for me. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm addicted to my phone. And I've, I've spoken about this in a previous episode where I, I just constantly... And there's some powerful photos out there about, uh, you know, when parents and uh, are on their phone too much. There is nothing worse than having your five-year-old and your three-year-old, you know, hold, hold your hand and say... Dad, put your phone down. <laughs> oh, where yeah. did we spoke yesterday. Where were you? Uh, you were at play centre with the kids. Oh, a play centre with the and kids. And you said, hang on, I'll, I'm just, I'll finish, Daddy's going to finish his call and I'll yeah. be there in a sec. It's, yeah, it, it, it is real. I think that's, that is, that is the hardest thing to do. I, I came back from Christmas so pumped. I turned, I've turned all the notifications off my phone, which is great, but I've, I've crept back into those old habits. What I actually used to have is I used to have a time lock on it. I used to have a time lock, and and it's funny, you know, on reflection, that's the bit that I haven't, that I didn't stick with. I used to, my phone basically used to turn into a brick from 6 p.m. till 8.30 p.m. That's something I'm gonna commit, David, to my family to do that again, because I've really noticed that that is, that's the time where you need to be present for family. After that, you know, my wife fires up her laptop, I fire up mine, you know, whatever, that's the time. It's important to, it's important to make sure that even if you're always on for work, you know you have to have some time where you're always on, where you're on, 100% present for your family. That's I think the biggest issue around this cloud-based. So I'm, and again, some, this is deliberate that I've worked towards. I've tried all sorts of different things to manage my phone. Um, the bit that I've got to now that works, all of my work apps don't have any notifications, uh, except three of our Teams chats, the critical ones. And, and the one person, Maria, can get me whenever she wants. The, I don't get LinkedIn, I don't get Twitter, I don't get Outlook notifications. The only notifications I get are for work ones, are those, those Teams ones that I want, and my friends' group chats in WhatsApp. Okay. Now, that's a challenge because it's footy season. We can easily rack up five, 600 chat uh, <laughs> messages a day. That's a challenge. So I actually, what I end up with is 
um, friends versus family, which you know, <laughs> it's the classic. That's the classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more traditional situation. It's taken me ages to work out this is the balance. And as I was transitioning towards it, I got anxiety. I'm missing out. I need to respond right now. But you don't. You very, very rarely do. And it's not until you do it for a sustained period of time that you realise, oh. The world didn't fall apart because I didn't oh, it respond does. It never for three does. minutes. Like, yeah, you, but, but it's hard to mentally go through the journey. Like, really, really yeah. hard. Yeah, and I, for me, especially around emails, like yeah. you kind of you sit there and refresh. What am I missing? Whereas you can turn it off. You make sure that you set it. I've just set the downtime back onto my phone. There wow. you go, my family. Well, give listen. us an update next week. I will give you an update whether or not I kept that. Work and stuff. What about what about efficiently, uh, David? How do you feel you go when you're sitting at the back of a conference room in uh, yeah. exchange? Uh, we go to conferences all the time, and I sort of try to do work in the back or yeah. on my lap. How do you find it? Um, I sit at the back for a reason. Um, and actually, uh, Lalette said to me, "We be- you, you barely said hello to me when I, when you were at up." And I said, "Yeah, I was, like, I was in work mode. I really was. I couldn't really relax." I was getting stuff done. I was talking to, you know, trying to meet new people and get broader networks. Um, and so I probably, Lalette, who's a friend, probably suffered because yeah. I wasn't present in that friendship in that moment. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you don't mind me saying that on, on air, Lalette. I might call you and explain this to you before that's it goes that's live. Deep. That's getting deep. <laughs> no, but it, you're right. That is an interesting thing. I, look, I find that I, and, and we spoke a little bit earlier David off off here about are you in sort of um, not limp mode but on on you know minimum viable product with work mm. just putting out spot fires and uh, you know are you and I have two modes you know I have modes where I'm like I'm at a conference and sometimes I'm just like look if something happens I'll respond to it and you know it's sort of in that responsive just keep the wheels ticking. Or am I somewhere where I'm, nah, I'm working. And I've had periods, David, where I've travelled remotely, been in cafes, been at home, where I've managed that. What for me is it's really hard and I've probably got to be a bit more clear with myself about which mode I'm in and also clear with family and clear with the people at conferences. And this might come back to your point, David, is like, you know, even though you're at a cafe or in a, in a group or in a conference, it's sort of saying, right, right, no, I'm in work mode for an hour, put up the walls, you know, effectively, and say, right, bang, 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 I'll come out of it in an hour and turn into conference mode, but maybe with a little bit of putting out spot fires. That's an, in- that's an interesting one that I just thought of then. So uh, it's going to, I'm going to, yep, I'm going to think about that. And... Paul just said, yep, yeah, because I gave him the wrap-up uh, signal that's that we fine. do for each other. Um, look, this is, these topics, we're just going to keep talking about them and keep trying to show our real stories and our challenges and the things that we do. They may not work for you. I don't think this is something that is prescriptive. Um, but join but, the conversation. But join the conversation. Yeah, I think be deliberate about this stuff. Choose to take control of it and not let it control you. Jeez, that sounds like a motherhood statement if I've ever wow. heard one. Wow, that, that's God. getting very close to your wife. Yeah. <laughs> Put that on a uh, So, anyway, that's it. That's the show. Uh, thank you all. Check out freedommentoring.com uh, if you are looking at, to run your accounting firm uh, in the freedom style. Have a great week. We've got interviews coming up. We've got plenty on. Uh, have a great week.
Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at Paul Meissner underscore or on LinkedIn, Paul Meissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the trenches.